Tejiyasam. Tejiyasam. Of the most powerful. Of the most powerful. Api. Also. Also. He. Certainly. Certainly. Etat. Such an act. Such an act. Na. Na. Not suitable. Not suitable. Sushlokyam. Sushlokyam. Good behavior. Good behavior. Jagat Guru. O spiritual master of the universe. O spiritual master of the universe. Yat. Yat. Whose. Whose. Britam. Britam. Character. Character. Anutishtan. Anutishtan. Following. Following. Vai. Vai. Certainly. Certainly. Lokaha. Lokaha. The world. The world. Shemaya. Shemaya. For prosperity. For prosperity. Kalpate, Kalpate becomes eligible. Becomes eligible. Translation by His Divine Grace, E.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. So this is Marichi uh, speaking to Lord Brahma. Continuing, he was. <coughs> they were not happy about. Brahma's display of unwarranted desire for his daughter Bhak. Even though you are the most powerful being, this act does not suit you because your character is followed for spiritual improvement by people in general. Please repeat. Even though you are the most powerful being, even though you are the most powerful being, this act does not suit you. This act does not suit you. Because your character is followed. Because your character is followed. For spiritual improvement. For spiritual improvement. By people in general. By people in general. Purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. It is said that a supremely powerful living entity can do anything and everything he likes and such acts do not affect him in any way. For example, the sun, the most powerful fiery, fiery planet in the universe, can evaporate water from anywhere and still remain as powerful. The sun evaporates water from filthy places and yet is not infected with the quality of the filth. Similarly, Brahma remains impeachable in all conditions. But still, since he is the spiritual master of all living entities, his behavior and character should be so ideal that people will follow such sublime behavior and derive the highest spiritual benefit. Therefore, he should not have acted as he did. Seji yasam apihyetam nashush lokyam jagadguro even though you are the most powerful being, this act does not suit you, because your character is followed for spiritual improvement by the people in general. Mokum koroti bachalam bhangam lagayate givim jatkripatamaham bhande Sri 
along with great power comes great responsibility, it is said. So Lord Brahma has a lot of power, creating the universe. He's the first created being within the universe. So he has a, a higher position you cannot get. Um, so it behooves him to always set the example there's been a discussion in recent years amongst these um, uh, leading athletes who are expected to be role models for young people. But in their personal lives, they are anything but role models. Um, because generally they're not very highly educated or qualified people who just happen to make a lot of money because they're super talented in their sport. And the young people look up to them. But then when they misbehave, um, they're criticized. And then they'll actually say, oh, I'm not a role model for anyone. But they are. Because they're televised and they're publicized and they're talked about and such. And um, so the young people do follow their examples. <laughs> Only thing is their examples are rascal them. <clears throat> so this is going on. So Lord Brahma is not expected by his descendants, speaking here, to uh, do anything untoward or anything that's not appropriate to his position as the supreme uh, living entity within the universe. Uh, and Bhagavad Gita also says in the third chapter, Yad Yad Achadati Shreshtas, that whatever a great person does, then all the common people, they follow that example. And whatever standard of behavior he sets by his exemplary behavior, then all the world pursues. So that's right out of the Bhagavad Gita. So we're just not making up some little moralistic thing <clears throat> but we are taking only Krishna's words from Bhagavad Gita as our uh, standard of knowledge. So this is a natural thing that people look up to and follow, the shreshtas, or the leading personalities, uh, and they imitate their behavior. Now in this case, they found it lamentable that Lord Brahma was doing this and they asked him to resist, to cease and desist, which he did. Uh, and then later we'll say he actually gave up that body as being unsuitable because he had done like that. Um, but that is the kind of behavior that the fallen people in Kali Yuga are eager to imitate. They're, they're excited enthusiastic to follow any uh, example of sinful activities. You know, like scandal in the royal family. So people are really eager to lap that up. We don't see it in this country because we don't have a royal family, but in, for example, Britain, that the tabloids are always filled with the latest scandal to members of the royal family. <coughs> and everyone is very eager and enthusiastic to churn that kata. But the devotees of the Lord, we are not like 
the ordinary people or the foolish people. Uh, we are interested to churn the ocean of Krishna Kata and to ourselves personally uh, follow in the footsteps of the great devotees. This was quoted in yesterday's class. Mahajano Yena Gatasapanta. One should endeavor to follow in the footsteps of the great uh, devotees. That's a, one of the few verses from the Mahabharata that Srila Prabhupada regularly quotes and uses. Dharmasha Tatvam Nihitam Guhayam. And Srila Prabhupada is actually the uh, himself the personification of what this verse states. Uh, that the real truth, uh, the real spiritual truth, or dharmashatatvam, uh, means the truth of religion, of dharma. Uh, it's not that easy to find. So where do you find it? Dharmashatatvam nihitam guhayam. It is hidden within the hearts of the great devotees. So. Uh, Srila Prabhupada had such a huge impact on those around him because um, he carried his Krishna consciousness within himself and it emanated from him. Uh, what is it said in the Guru Vastakam? Prema Bhakti Yaha Hoiti Abhijavina. The ecstatic prema emanates from the pure devotee. And avijja vinasa jati, by his association, the avijja, which covers our hearts, vinasha, is destroyed. Prema bhakti jaha hoiti. So he's emanating, giving out this prema bhakti, and then he's destroying the avijja. So that's very good. That is good for the spirit soul, the conditioned soul. That's the kind of association that he needs. So Lord Brahma, he's a very interesting personality. He's very much a, a prominent uh, subject matter in the Srimad Bhagavatam, especially in the second, third cantos, and but also in the tenth canto. And I would like to refer to some of Lord Brahma's involvement in the Bhagavatam uh, in the 10th canto, specifically in the 13th and the 14th chapter of the 10th canto. The 13th chapter was the uh, last chapter that Srila Prabhupada translated of the Bhagavatam. And that chapter, uh, is entitled, The Stealing of the Boys and Calves by Brahma. So, um, there's a few times where Brahma kind of gets into trouble. So chasing his daughter after his daughter Vak is one such time. Another time he got in trouble was with Krishna when he, Brahma was, became a little bit bewildered, bewildered by Krishna's yoga maya 
because he was thinking, you know, I'm Brahma, I got some Maya here, I got my magic. And uh, he was just, just this cowherd boy in Vrindavan. You know, so he lost his focus on Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he thought, well, let me test Krishna. So we'll read a little bit from this chapter and the next chapter and discuss some of these wonderful points. Srila uh, Shukadeva Goswami said, O best of the devotees, most fortunate Pariksha, you've inquired very nicely, for though constantly hearing the pastimes of the Lord, you are perceiving his activities to be newer and newer. Of course, that is the nature of the spiritual subject matter, the transcendental subject matter. It is always relishable, and it becomes more and more relishable the more Krishna conscious one becomes. Whereas material subjects become hackneyed, stale, tiresome when they are repeatedly discussed uh, very quickly. But the holy name of Krishna is always newer and fresher. And uh, even Gandhi said, when I read Bhagavad Gita, I get new lights, new understanding every time. So he was always, he, had, he would daily read Bhagavad Gita. So, um, this nectar of Krishna Kata, it doesn't grow old or stale or hackneyed, but it becomes increasingly more relishable uh, and tasty for the devotees as they gradually advance in Krishna consciousness. And this is, this is the state of the devotee when we take to Krishna consciousness, hopefully, and if we're not constantly advancing, we have to diagnose ourselves what is the difficulty and correct ourselves so that we can be steadily progressing. And as long as we're following the path of Krishna consciousness nicely, then we actually do steadily progress, uh, bit by bit. Uh, so, Shukadeva Goswami continues, Paramahamsas, devotees who have accepted the essence of life, are attached to Krishna in the core of their hearts, and he is the aim of their lives. It is their nature to talk only of Krishna at every moment, as if such topics were newer and newer. They are attached to such topics, just as materialists are attached to topics of women and sex. O king, I don't think we have to explain that very much, how materialists are, atta are attached to topics of sense gratification. They're very eager to go to the latest movie and uh, see the latest phantasmagoria of entertainment that is uh, based on non-Krishna Kata subject matters, let us say. O King, kindly hear me with great attention. Although the activities of the Supreme Lord are very confidential, no ordinary man being able to understand them. I shall speak about them to you, for spiritual masters explain to a disciple, a submissive disciple, even subject matters that are very confidential and difficult to understand. So access to the realm of spiritual realization uh, is difficult to understand for ordinary people. But those who are uh, the spiritual masters in Krishna consciousness reveal these topics and uh, 
for the benefit of their disciples. And thus, being given this Krishna Kata, uh, the disciples progress deeper into their realization of subject matters about Krishna consciousness. Even though ordinarily such things are very confidential and they're very difficult to understand. I was thinking about the conversation between uh, Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy, where the Lord was questioning Ramananda Roy to elicit from him spiritual truth. And he started out with subject matters that were kind of external, and he went further and further and further, deeper into spiritual truth, finally arriving at the topmost thing, which is the conjugal love of Radha and Krishna. And Ramananda Roy was amazed that he was even speaking like that. It's like the Lord was entering into his heart and empowering him to speak things that he did not know or understand himself. And he said that, the Lord said, what you're speaking is so wonderful, please go on narrating this this subject matter of Krishna Kata. And Ramananda Roy said, well, I don't even know what I'm talking about. He said, you're, you're empowering me. He said, you're like a puppet master, and I'm the puppet, and you're pulling the strings, and you're just making me speak this a deep spiritual realization, which I don't even know myself. I can't understand it. He said, I'm just like a musical instrument, and you are the master musician who is causing, who's playing on the strings and causing them to vibrate and make beautiful music. So they were going deeper and deeper into these confidential subject matters of the relationship and the love between Radha and Krishna. And Ramananda Roy was speaking and then finally Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu put his hand over Ramananda Roy's mouth. Stop. <laughs> Because this conversation is recorded in Chaitanya Charitamrita for our benefit. And the Lord says, finally said, okay, stop. <laughs> you can't go on anymore. This is too confidential. We can't talk about this. So uh, we're so fortunate that we have uh, this, these uh, detailed and confidential, deep spiritual subject matters given to us. But also one has to be qualified to receive them. One becomes qualified by the mercy of the spiritual master and by uh, following the process of Krishna consciousness, not otherwise, not simply intellectually. It is a matter of uh, realization and is a matter of revelation. Uh, one realizes the truth of Krishna consciousness by direct perception. And then one becomes very blissful. Susukam kartamadhyam, eternally. That's from Bhagavad Gita. So, um, Krishna saved the cowherd boys and the calves from the mouth of the great demon Agasura. This is the same, this is on this day after that happened. And he took the uh, cowherd boys to the bank of the river and spoke to the boys. Krishna said, my dear friends, just see how this riverbank is extremely beautiful. 
because of its pleasing atmosphere. And just see how the blooming lotuses are attracting bees and birds by their aroma. The humming and chirping of the birds and bees is echoing throughout the beautiful trees in the forest. Also here the sands are clean and soft. Therefore, this must be considered the best place for our sporting and pastimes. I think we should take our lunch here, since we are already hungry because the time is very late. Here the calves may drink water and go slowly here and there and eat the grass. So um, they let the calves drink the water and eat the grass and the boys sat down for their lunch. This is one of their beautiful pastimes. Like the whirl of a lotus flower surrounded by its petals and leaves, Krishna sat in the center, encircled by lines of his friends, who all looked very beautiful. Every one of them was trying to look forward toward Krishna, thinking that Krishna might look toward them. In this way, they all enjoyed their lunch in the forest. So Krishna sitting in the center, everyone's looking at Krishna, and then all the cowherd boys are perceiving that Krishna is looking at them. He's able to look in all different directions at once by his spiritual yoga maya potency. So they're all perceiving that Krishna is looking at them. Isn't that amazing? Um, the same thing happened in the rasa dance where each gopi, Krishna appeared between each pair of gopis. So they were all dancing with Krishna simultaneously. Similarly, in Dwarka, Krishna had 16,108 wives, 16,108 palaces. And then he would go and expand himself into 16,108 forms and enter into each palace and have individual pastimes in each palace with the different wives simultaneously. That is mystic potency par excellence. And then when it was time to come out of the palaces, and go to the, to the meeting house, the assembly house, to take care of political business and other things that were going on there in Dwarka. He would come out of all the palaces simultaneously and then whoop, he would just appear as one Krishna. All the Krishnas would pew, go into one and then he would go into the assembly house and conduct the affairs of state. This is Krishna's pastimes. It is completely wonderful. Among the cowherd boys, some placed their lunch on flowers, some on leaves, fruits, or, or bunches of leaves, some actually in their baskets, some on the barks of trees, and some on rocks. This is what the children imagined to be their plates as they ate their lunch. All the cowherd boys enjoyed their lunch with Krishna, showing one another the different tastes of the different varieties of preparations they had brought from home. Tasting one another's preparations, they begin to laugh and make one another laugh. Krishna is yagya bhuk, that is, he eats only offerings of jagya. But to exhibit his childhood pastimes, he now sat with his flute tucked between his waist and his tight cloth on his right side, and his horn bugle and cow driving, cow driving stick on his left holding in his hand a very nice preparation of yogurt and rice with pieces of suitable fruit between his fingers. He sat like the whirl of a lotus flower, looking toward, forward toward all his friends, personally joking with them and creating jubilant laughter among them as he ate. 
At that time, the denizens of heaven were watching, struck with wonder at how the personality of Godhead, who eats only in Jugya, was now eating with his friends in the forest. O Maharaj Prikshit, while the cowherd boys who knew nothing within the core of their hearts but Krishna, were thus engaged in eating their lunch in the forest, the calves went far away, deep in the forest, being allured by green grass. So the demigods were witnessing all this, hiding in the clouds, hiding behind the clouds, looking on at Krishna's pastimes with his cowherd boyfriends, and they were just blown away by how ecstatic this whole scene was and how transcendental. But meanwhile, the calves wandered away. And then, while they're eating lunch, Krishna noticed. He told his friends, Oh, look, the calves have wandered away. I better go get them. You, you, you stay here and enjoy your lunch, and I'll go get them. So he walked away with the yogurt in his hand and the fruit stuck between his fingers. So then, Lord Brahma, who'd been watching all this, decided to test Krishna's potency because he was bewildered. He wasn't understanding Krishna's true position. Omarj Pariksit, Brahma, who resides in the higher planetary system of the sky, had observed the activities of the most powerful Krishna in killing and delivering Akasura. And he was astonished. Now that same Brahma wanted to show some of his own power and see the power of Krishna who was engaged in his childhood pastimes, playing as if with ordinary cowherd boys. Therefore, in Krishna's absence, Brahma took all the boys and calves to another place. Thus, he became entangled. From the very near future, he would see how powerful Krishna was. So then Krishna came back, and all the boys and the calves were gone. But he, Krishna knew what was going on. He understood. This is the work of Brahma, who's trying to test it. So Brahma was thinking, you got some power? I got some power, too. So I'm going to show you my power. Let's see what you're going to do. Uh, so what Krishna did was he created replicas. He expanded himself through his own energy and created replicas of all the cowherd boys and calves, each one with all their different individual personalities and features exactly, almost exactly as they were. Um, with their exact bodily features, their particular types of hands, legs, and other limbs, their sticks, bugles, and flutes, their lunch bags, their particular types of dress and ornaments placed in various ways, their names, ages, and forms, and their special activities and characteristics. By expanding him, himself in this way, beautiful Krishna proves the statement Samagra Jagad Vishnu Mayam. Lord Vishnu is all pervading. So then they went home. And the cows entered the different cow sheds, and the boys went home. The mothers of the boys, upon hearing the sounds of the flutes and bugles being played by their sons, immediately rose from their household tasks lifted their boys onto their laps, embraced them with both arms, and began to feed them with their breast milk, which flowed forth because of extreme love, specifically for Krishna. Actually, Krishna is everything, but at that time, expressing extreme love and affection, they took special pleasure in feeding Krishna, the Parabrahman, and Krishna drank the milk from his respective mothers, 
as if it were a nectarian beverage. So the mothers began to serve the boys, and they thought they were their own boys, but suddenly they loved them more than ever. And they didn't know why, but they just became completely absorbed in affection and love because it was actually Krishna who expanded himself into all those boys. And the calves, the same thing happened with the calves and the cows. Uh, and he did this for one year. So Brahma, he turned away for a moment and he thought, hmm, you know, Maybe that wasn't right what I did. Let me check on what's going on. So he turned back around, and in one moment of his time would be a year on earth. And he saw all the cows and the cat the calves and the cowherd boys were all still there with Krishna. Just like he left them. He was like, Huh? Wait a minute. I just took them all away. And they're under my spell of yoga maya. They're under my power and they're sleeping. And they're still there sleeping, and here they are. What the heck? He couldn't figure it out. He became completely bewildered. Then, as he was watching, all the cows, I mean the calves and the cowherd boys, began to slowly manifest themselves as four-armed Vishnu forms. And when he saw that happening, he was like, I don't know what this is. I, you know, he, I'm, I'm defeated. <laughs> this magic is greater than any magic that I have. So, meanwhile, before that happened, one day the calves were um, with the boys, and the cows were with the cowherd men up on Govardhan Hill. And then the cows saw, caught sight of the calves. And because those calves were Krishna, they couldn't contain themselves. They began running down the hill. Normally they separate the cows and the calves, because otherwise the, cows will, the calves will drink up all the milk. But that's one of the opulence and products of the cowherd men, is they get the milk from the cows, and they make cheese and butter and yogurt and so many nice preparations. So the cows all started bolting down the hill after the calves. And the cowherd men were like, Yo, don't, don't do that. Stop, wait, wait. And they started chasing after him. And then the cows and the calves came together and the calves started suckling the milk from the cows. And the cowherd men were all frustrated and fried because they, they always kept them apart. This never happened like this. And then suddenly they saw the boys. And then they forgot all about the cows and they started grabbing the kids and hugging them and kissing them and smelling their heads. <coughs> because it was Krishna. All those boys were Krishna. And they were just overwhelmed. They were under the spell of love of Krishna. So Lord Balaram saw this and he goes, I mean, that's weird. <laughs> I never seen anything like that before. And then he looked at Krishna and said, What did you do? This is this is your energy, your potency. You did something. He could understand. Because Lord Balaram is the, an expansion of Krishna. He's also the personality of Godhead. It's like, what did you do, Krishna? 
because this is this is not right. This is too cool. This is some special mystic yoga maya. I've never seen this before. And then he said to uh, Krishna, Oh, Supreme Controller, these boys are not great demigods, as I previously thought, nor are they these calves great sages like Narda. Now that I can see that you alone are manifesting yourself in all varieties of difference, although one, you are existing in the different forms of the calves and boys, please briefly explain this to me. So Lord Krishna told him what was going on. So Lord Brahma wanted to uh, mystify Krishna, who could never be mystified. But on the contrary, everyone is mystified by Krishna, the entire universe. So then Brahma could understand that this was Krishna, and he bowed down, and he accepted feet and he realized he had committed an offense so in the next chapter chapter 14 which is the first chapter of the Bhagavatam that was not translated by Prabhupada but by his disciples uh, begins and there's a few verses that, from this chapter that I would like to just briefly read from the prayers of Brahma for the benefit of everyone. And these are somewhat well-known, famous, and very important verses. We'll read four or five verses. And then we'll ask for questions. So text 3, chapter 14, 10th canto. Jnane prayasam urgapashi namanti evam jivanti sanmukaditam bhavadiyavartam stane sisa sutigatam tanuvam manobir Lord Brahma says that those who, even while remaining situated in their established social positions, throw away the process of speculative knowledge and with their body, words, and mind offer all respects to descriptions of your personality and activities, dedicating their lives to these narrations, which are vibrated by you personally and by your pure devotees, Certainly conquer your lordship, although you are otherwise unconquerable by anyone within the three worlds. So that is how Krishna becomes conquered, by the uh, love of his devotees. Otherwise he is unconquerable. But he allows himself to be conquered by the love of his devotees. Notice it says that those who have dedicated their lives to the narrations of Krishna Kata. So the next shloka is text number four, <coughs> where Brahma says, Shreya Shratim Bhaktim Udasite Vipo Klishyanti Yekevala Bhoda Labdhaye Tesham Asau Kleshala Eva Shishate Nanyad Yatastula Tusabhugatinam. My dear Lord, devotional service unto you is the best path for self realization. If, some, if someone gives up that path and engages in the cultivation of speculative knowledge, he will simply undergo a troublesome process and will not achieve his desired result. 
as a person who beats an empty husk of wheat cannot get grain. One who simply speculates cannot achieve self-realization. His only gain is trouble. Krishna also explains that in the Bhagavad Gita, that those who accept the impersonal path, their only gain is the trouble they take. Uh, but otherwise, there's no benefit. Now I'll read another verse. This is a really cool verse for all you scientific fans out there. This is text 7. Gunat manas tebi gunan vimatum hitva batir nasya ka ishiresha kalena yarvi vimita sukalpair bupang shava kimhika jubhashaha. In time, learned philosophers or scientists might be able to count all the atoms of the earth, the particles of snow, or perhaps even the shining molecules radiating from the sun, the stars and other luminaries. But among these learned men, who could possibly count the unlimited transcendental qualities possessed by you, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who have descended onto the surface of the earth for the benefit of all living entities? So maybe they will be able to count the molecules of sunshine all the grains of sand on the earth. But what is the value of that without Krishna consciousness? It's nothing. Even though that may appear to be a very great accomplishment. Uh, text 8 states, Tate nukampam shukshamikshamano bunjana evatma kritam vipakam bhridvagva purvir my Lord, one who earnestly waits for you to bestow your causeless mercy upon him, all the while patiently suffering the reactions of his past misdeeds and offering you respectful obeisances within his heart, words and body, is surely eligible for liberation, for it has become his rightful claim. That's Dayabak, the principle of inheritance. The eldest son is eligible to inherit the property of the father. And all he has to do is remain alive. If he's dead, he can't inherit the property. So in the purport, uh, Sridhar Swami is quoted as saying that for one to get the mercy of Krishna, all he has to do is remain alive in Krishna consciousness. So you may think it's hopeless, how am I going to ever advance, how am I going to get Krishna's mercy? But we're instructed here by Sridhar Swami, you just remain alive in Krishna consciousness and you will get the mercy of Krishna. That's all you have to do. You know, stick around, you'll see. <laughs> that is the guarantee that Lord Brahma expands to us here. And I'll read one more verse, text uh, 14. Is that the one I wanted? No, text 29. Sorry. And this is a verse that was quoted by Gopinath Acharya to Sarvabhama when they were having a little argument about whether Lord Chaitanya was the Supreme Personality of Godhead. 
Gopinath Acharya was trying to explain to Sarvabhuma, who had no face at that time. And he was saying, no, this is no way. And then Gopinath Acharya told him, you can't understand because you don't have the mercy of the Lord. Uh, but if you get that mercy, then you'll be able to understand. Which he did get the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. And then he understood his greatness. And he lamented all his impersonal nonsense that he was propagating. So Burma says, Atapi te deva padam bujatvaya prashadaleshunu grahita janati tatvan bhagavan mihino nachanyeko pichirim vichinvan My Lord, if one is favored by even a slight trace of your mercy, of the mercy of your lotus feet, he can understand the greatness of your personality. So one has to be a devotee to get that mercy. But those who speculate to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead are unable to know you, even though they continue to study the Vedas for many years. So Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya couldn't understand it when Gopinathacharya was explaining to him the greatness of Lord Chaitanya, the Supreme Lord. But later, um, he was still a little bit mind. He was telling Lord Chaitanya, um, you know, you're just a young, you're a young man, but you're a sannyasi. If you want to maintain your vows, I mean, you're handsome too. You're a good-looking guy. If you want to maintain your vows of sannyas, best thing to do is hear Vedanta from me, because he was the teacher of Vedanta to everyone, including the sannyasis. He was such a learned scholar. So Lord Chaitanya said, "All right, you're my guru. You're trying to protect me. I accept what you say." So he began to instruct him in Vedanta with this nonsense Mayavadi speculative Shankarite interpretation of Vedanta. And then Lord Chaitanya sat there passively. And for seven days continuously he instructed the Lord. The Lord didn't say a word. He just remained impassive, immobile. And finally Sarvabhama said, I've been instructing you for seven days and you haven't said a word. Have you understood what I said? You haven't asked any questions? You know, I, I'm worried here. What's going on? You don't understand this at all. And Lord Chaitanya told him, oh yes, I understand Vedanta perfectly. With the nonsense that you're spouting, I can't make heads or tails of that. So I was like, what? This upstart young sannyasi, 24 years old. <clears throat> and then Lord Chaitanya began to explain the real understanding of Vedanta. He told him that the, the Vedanta Sutra, the meaning is clear. It's like the sun. But you're trying to cover the sun with the clouds of your interpretation. And so he began to preach to him. And at the end, Sarvabhoma was stunned and he couldn't say anything. He was just bewildered. His intelligence was blocked. And then he went home and thought about it. And then Lord Chaitanya like cracked open his heart, the dry, hard covering of Mayavad speculation that covered his heart was dissipated, and then he became a great devotee of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So then he did get the mercy, because Gopinath Acharya was explaining this verse to him. And he said, because you don't have the mercy, you can't understand anything, because you're just trying to speculate your way to the truth, and you'll never be able to do that. Then when he got the mercy, he understood the truth of what Gopinath Acharya was saying to him, and he understood this verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. So this is some nectar about Krishna and Lord Brahma.
from Srimad Bhagavatam. We'll stop here. Questions or comments? Well, there's a statement there that great personalities are so powerful that they don't become polluted or contaminated. Lord Shiva, for example, drank the ocean of poison that was generated from the churning of the milk ocean. Some poison was generated. He drank it, but he was not affected by it, although it created a blue line on his throat. Thus it became known as Nilakanta. Nila means blue. Kanta means throat. So, who else could do that? Lord Shiva could do it, but no one else can do it. So he's a great personality, and sometimes great personalities may appear to do things that cannot be imitated by ordinary persons. That's the point being made there. Uh, and they're not affected by it. Lord, Lord Shiva was not affected by the poison. So, but that's not to be followed or imitated. And our Lord Brahma, even though he is a pure devotee, this situation was created uh, just to give instruction for others who one should not imitate. But we'll see in the subsequent verses that'll be revealed how he became ashamed of himself and he actually cast off that body which he performed that activity of chasing after his daughter. And that body became the fog or something. It's coming up. We'll get a chance to hear that. Prabhupada used that example of Lord Shiva when disciples were talking about Lord Shiva smoking, or followers of Lord Shiva smoking the gum. Yeah. And he said, well, can you take it? Well, also, I that in connection with uh, Krishna and the Rasa Leela. People want to imitate Krishna and dance with many girls. The Prabhupada said, first, you lift Govardhan Hill with one hand, then you can do Rasa dance. Because Krishna, first, he lifted Govardhan Hill. So if you do that, then you can have your own little Rasa dance. Oh, you can't lift Govardhan Hill? Oh, well, then you can't have Rasa dance. Sorry. Sadi chadi. You cannot do that. So we, we have to be careful not to become puffed up and think we can do what Krishna does, or Brahma does, or Shiva does. Any other question or comment? Okay. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki. Jai. Jai.